0: Hello, I'm Rami,
1: And this is Dakota.
0: And you're listening to Leveling Duo, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about video games.
1: Today, I thought we could talk a little bit about a game that I played back in the day around... It was in the early, mid-2000s or so, and it was a game on PS2 by the name of Dark Cloud.
0: I've heard you mention it, but I've never played it.
1: It's kind of a bit of a niche game for some people it was an rpg back then there was a community for rpgs but i don't feel like it was really quite as mainstream uh originally apparently it was supposed to be a uh, launch title with the ps2 when it was very first released in japan But it was held back for some reason and released a few months after the actual PlayStation console was released.
0: I mean, it's good if it was for a quality control problem.
1: And it's also been uh, re-released on PS4 as of 2015. Really? Yes. uh, I'm assuming they probably did some sort of digital re-release on PlayStation Plus. You don't hear about that. That'd be my assumption, but that is not gospel.
0: At least it was popular enough to get released again.
1: Yeah, and it was a pretty interesting game back in the day uh, because on top of it being an RPG, it also had like a little bit of a, not so much a crafting system per se, but like instead of your characters leveling up, you leveled your gear up. Every playable character that you could control in the party, uh, there were six in total, and each controlled a different weapon type okay and usually had some sort of unique way for traversing the dungeon area because there were two main areas for the game to be essentially you were either in like a dungeon esque space that usually had like multiple floors and levels to it some puzzles there were some options for what was called a duel which was actually a quick time event so that was kind of like an early quick time event in games usually if you won the duel you gained extra resources because there was three main things that you had to watch for for your character. You had your health bar, your weapons durability, and your water consumption.
0: So it's a little bit of survival.
1: Yes, but it also had some town building to it. Well, kind of get a little bit ahead of myself there. As far as like the story goes, the main protagonist of the story is a young boy by the name of Toen. And he is just... Kind of chilling in this village or having a festival when all of a sudden they're attacked by a figure that calls themselves the Dark Genie. And essentially decimates the village. And seemingly kills you. Though you wake up in kind of like an alternate dark space and you're saved by a figure known as the Fairy King. Which in this world is kind of like a god.
0: Oberon? I don't know if that's his name. I just know of a few fairies.
1: <laughs> I can't remember if he was actually given a name per se. But I'm pretty sure it was just kind of Fairy King. Just kind of like the title was what you called him. Yeah. He had foreseen the attack of the Dark Genie and cast a spell that saved a certain area of the world. Because like the planet is kind of like divided up in the playable area of like two different continents just split up east and west. And there's kind of like a war in between the two. And the Dark Genie is being utilized by uh, one side of the conflict to try to take down the other. Essentially, the eastern continent is very uh, technologically advanced and dependent, whereas the western continent is more uh, the mentality of coexisting and living with nature, and that's where the fairy king resides. Well, when the genie attacked, he cast a spell that essentially wiped all the villages and communities from the continent, all the major ones anyway, and uh, sealed away uh, the people and, like, the buildings and stuff into these orbs that you could find in the dungeons. Because the Fairy King, he gives you a item. You find what's called Atla, which is kind of like a orb. It's a large spherical object that can be retrieved only by the main character in the dungeons. Once you leave the dungeon, they become pieces of the world, like trees, houses, villagers, pets. Yeah, And then you go into uh, what's called a georama mode, where you get to place all of these things around on the map area which they belong. It's
0: like a city builder.
1: Exactly. So it's like a city builder slash RPG slash crafting.
0: Sounds like what they tried to make Fallout 4 into.
1: (laughs) Uh, This was kind of like the granddaddy. Yeah. Forefather of those games.
0: He looks like Link, doesn't he? Mm -hmm.
1: Some people actually compare it like it's based off of Zelda, which it's a Sony game. Not a Nintendo game. And I don't think it was like I mean, I'm a I'm a Zelda fan, and personally, like I mean it's an RPG. Zelda's an RPG. Just because games are RPGs doesn't make them necessarily similar.
0: Now, he does have a green hat on and pointy ears.
1: Yeah, and so do a lot of other people. I mean like <laughs> like, I <don't>. like like <laughs> <laughs> like like Hylians aren't the only exclusive race in the world of fictional characters. That have pointy ears. Okay.
0: I'm not saying it's a knockoff. I don't really care oh, oh, if it is oh, one I or the know. other. I know, I know. It can be a knockoff and still be good anyway if it was.
1: But, uh, and there's like a progress bar that is in place for the village or community that you're in. And when it reaches 100%, uh, the village is considered complete. And you can talk to different villagers to see, like, where if they have, like, specific places where they want their stuff set up yeah and then, like I mentioned before, too, your characters that you uh utilize do not level up themselves It's actually their equipment that levels up now the characters themselves can like increase some of their like baseline resource bars. however, uh, it has to be done with consumable items that do like a permanent increase.
0: That makes sense. I haven't played many games where you are not leveling with your companions. Usually they level with
1: you. It is fairly interesting, uh, but the way it works is all weapons, except for the one that you're given at the very beginning of the game, have limited durability. However, the beginning uh, weapon can only get so strong, and eventually once you go so far into it, it only deals one damage. Oh. So, like, in a way, like, if you're trying to do, like, a hard mode, per se, a hard mode challenge, if there's listeners out there into that, you know, sort of thing, there you go. But you've got to be careful with all your other weapons. Uh, a lot of times they can come with like buffs and debuffs to them that can give you like, certain advantages or effects uh, in and out of battle. Uh, the main character uses uh, daggers, knives, and swords. But the interesting thing is, okay. uh, which we'll get into a little bit later on that, is how like your weapon trees work. You because have weapon trees? Well, essentially like the way, once the weapons themselves level up to a certain point, and they gain experience by basically uh, eliminating monsters and creatures uh, in the dungeons, once they reach level 5, at that point they've kind of like reached their like peak potential with all their stats. And at that point can then be uh, used as a fusion material into another weapon. Oh. And when doing so, that allows the new weapon to utilize potential buffs, knee buffs, and stats from the weapon that was used as a material. And that's essentially like how you get the best equipment in the game.
0: Is by fusing.
1: The funny thing is, too, uh, in all the different dungeons, there's uh, what's kind of called a back room and it's kind of like a secret area that you have to find a special resource or key to be able to unlock and get into. And it usually has like stronger monsters and better loot. About halfway through the game, you actually uh, pick up a weapon. If you look up online, the weapon tree uh, for swords for Toen is kind of like more towards the later half of his weaponry, which in most RPGs and games, typically, like, if you look at it, like, as in, the left side is weakest and the farthest right side is strongest, getting something that is akin to one of the strongest weapons in the game halfway through the game kind of changes the difficulty quite a bit. Ah, lower. Well, it gets to a point uh, for quite a bit until you can get, like, stronger gear and the enemies get stronger that most enemies will die in one to two hits.
0: Okay. So, it's easy mode.
1: Basically. Which, I mean, like, The game does kind of get harder, but, like, you don't have to use the weapon if you want more of a challenge. But it's the kind of game, like, you need the strongest weapon. Because the game is very unforgiving at times. It is not an easy game. Say until you kind of get to that point.
0: I'm okay with a challenge.
1: Now, another uh, thing which probably some of the listeners out there are familiar with is uh, durability loss. Uh, however, in this game, uh, the way it works is that uh, once a weapon gets so low on its durability, it can break. But when it breaks, it disappears from your inventory. So it's permanently gone.
0: Oh, oh goodness. So yeah. you
1: can spend hours, you know, grinding monsters and stuff like that to get like a stronger weapon. And if you're not careful and that weapon breaks, then it's gone.
0: Even Dark Souls isn't that cruel.
1: Like, it's gone, gone. Most weapons, too, you can uh, attach different items to it. Usually that increase stuff like attack power or speed. Some monsters have resistance to certain kinds of weapons. Yeah. You can attach stuff that can nullify that, give it, like, elemental attributes... You know, like make it like a fire sword, lightning sword kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Any one weapon can only carry like a certain number of attachments. If you have those attachments on a weapon, when you go to fuse it, the new weapon can keep those added bonuses.
0: You said some of them have negative sides as well?
1: There's one sword that I remember that you can get. Uh, I can't remember the name though. And essentially what it did is something sand. And it was fairly strong, but whenever you would attack with it and hold it, equip it, it would increase your thirst or drain your thirst. Yeah. I should say. So depending on how like many of the little like water drops in your meter that you had, I can't remember exactly for sure, but I want to say like if you do like run out of like quote unquote hydration, it's not like an instant game over, but you start taking like massive hits to your health. Oh. And then you die. With the way the sword works, is that like having it equipped and using it does uh, drain your like resource quickly, but every time you get a kill, it uh, boosts it back up. So it's like a, a, a double-edged sword.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was trying to say.
1: Like quite figuratively in. And- literally yeah but I mean like different weapons can have like just you know they can sometimes naturally just have an elemental attribute to them maybe they just might be like naturally good at killing a certain kind of monster all kinds of stuff the best sword in the game is aptly named dark cloud
0: that explains the uh name of the game
1: I wouldn't quite say that it's more along the lines of just it I think it just so happens that the name of the sword coincides with that more spoilers For those that haven't played the game or don't remember how the story goes, kind of like a quick speed run of the story, Toan travels around to five other communities, villages, that are set up across the continent. From each one, he uh, collects an ally that travels with him. Eventually, the party becomes six. Essentially, it's combined of three melee fighters and three ranged fighters. You've got Toan that can do the swords, knives, or daggers. Your first ally that you find is uh, someone named Zhao. He's actually a slingshot-wielding cat girl. Then you have Goro. He is a hunter from the next village that you come across who uses, like, a large oversized hammer. And next you come across Ruby, wears magic rings to make ranged attacks, who is actually a good genie that you come across.
0: That sounds handy against a bad one.
1: Then you have Ungaga, if <laughs> I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly. I hope you are. Muskalaka warrior that uses staves, staffs. And then the last person that's added to your party is a uh, character named Osmond, who is from a peculiar race of people that live on the moon.
0: That is peculiar.
1: Uses guns and blasters.
0: Now he just fits right in.
1: And uh, the overall world is called Terra.
0: Okay, that's Earth.
1: Yes. Okay. You know, not too far off. Yeah. It's kind of funny, like, the very beginning of the game is actually just a retelling of a fairy tale, which is the game that you're playing. Like, as soon as you, like, boot up the game, yeah. like a new game for the menu, uh, it starts off with a narrator that is uh, coming up to a, like, really old, tattered book that was uh, found from some old nameless ruins, and it's been translated into, like, a readable language, and it's the story of the Dark Cloud. And as the you know, they begin narrating the story, that's how the game starts.
0: Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay.
1: There's a character, uh, Colonel Flag, that is trying to uh, utilize this cult to awaken the Dark Genie and get power to uh, wipe out the opposing force on the western continent. As the ceremony that is going on uh, around during the first cutscene goes, the genie uh, quote-unquote appears out of its sealed jar, very Majin Buu-like, and basically is like, you know, like, what do you want? Uh, The colonel steps up and is like, I want to use your power to take out the enemy. And he's like, okay. But then he, like, kills the priest.
0: Oh, so he's not all friendly.
1: And then at that point is when the Dark Genie is seemingly supposed to pop up at Toen's, uh village and try to wipe everything out. Or successfully, I guess, wipe it out in the midst of the Fairy King casting a spell. Though Toen, I don't know, he, I think he died? And then was resurrected? That's my head canon? Yeah. But I don't know if that's the official canon. Like, he may have just been spirited away and then just, like, teleported back. Because the Fairy King is basically the equivalent of, like, the good god. Yeah. After you uh, do your first like little intro tutorial thing with Tumwin, uh the first engine you come across is uh, known as the Divine Beast Cave. Go around, collect all the Atla, which is, again, all the people and items and stuff to remake the village. And at that point, you come across a man named Seda, or Seda? It's S-E-D-A, so pronounce that how you will. Seda? And uh, it's your first duel, which is your first quick time event. However, like even if you do all the buttons correctly, uh, you're supposed to lose the duel. Because there's a cat that jumps in the way. And uh, Towen loses uh, the duel seemingly because he's trying to protect the cat. To make sure he doesn't get hurt.
0: That's nice. I would hate to see a cat die.
1: And then uh, Seta throws uh, a changing potion at you as like a thanks for the duel and later on inadvertently the potion lands on your cat and turns it into the cat girl which is your new party member go figure ps2 era storytelling (laughs) uh then uh you go back to the cave because at this point now uh you weren't able to progress any further because it was just physically impossible for toan but now that you've got Zhao with you uh you can switch to her on the map when you're out in the dungeon. And uh, her special thing is that she can live across streams. And that was what was blocking you before. So getting her in the party allows you to progress. Yeah. And each party member that you get after that have like special abilities that they can utilize, like that, that can give you access to areas that Toen can't. But Toen is the only one that can pick up the quote unquote quest items.
0: So they have to have her along. Exactly.
1: That's fair. Now, when you uh, come down to the very bottom of the cave that you're at for the dungeon, uh, you find a character named Dran, which is uh, supposed to be a uh, god of all the beasts and the guardian of uh, Narun, which is the village that you're, that you're from. Typically, this is supposed to be like a peaceful deity, but is actually possessed by the Dark Genie and is your first boss. Uh, however, uh, defeating uh, Dran in combat, uh, releases him from the genie's control and kind of comes back to his senses and then points you in your next direction, which is to find the moon people.
0: That's a curveball still to me when I hear it.
1: I know. <laughs> I'm showing here in the wiki about that, just so you guys know that I do try to like, double check uh, the facts on this, but I will say that I can't remember everything, so I do try to fact check myself on stuff before I just blurt out something and it'd be... Not true. Not trying to mislead nobody.
0: It's appreciated.
1: Then you go and you get Goro. He's your next person. After that, you have your next boss, which is kind of like a big gorilla, also possessed by the Dark Genie. Then after that, uh, you make your way to a village known as uh, Brown Boo, (laughs) and that's where the moon people are supposed to be. Okay. There, you uh, explain the situation. They're so secluded that they've not been affected by the Dark Genie. So, like, you telling them about the release and everything like that, like, they are aware of the Dark Genie, but did not know that it had been unleashed. They say that they uh, want to uh, go to the actual moon to uh, talk to the people that live there, which is news to the character and to yourself if it's your first time playing it, unless you're listening to this podcast and you're getting spoiled. Surprise! So then you go on a quest to find a moon orb to call the moon ship, which is your ticket to get to the moon. So you travel to uh, your next destination, a uh, seaside village called Queens. No, not the... New York area. Not Queens, New York, which I mean like eventually might be one day, I don't know, but nah, it's just like a fishing village. That's when you go to one of my favorite dungeons, which is the shipwreck.
0: That sounds pretty cool.
1: I love the soundtrack to this game. Like, everything.
0: Really? That's, mm-hmm. that's something you hear so rarely, unless it's like a Grand Theft Auto or Oblivion or something.
1: is isn't like nothing like super special, but like to me it's just kind of relaxing. Unfortunately, Queens has suffered same fate as everybody else. However, uh, there's a shop, which is your first shop that you come across. Sounds like it took a while. Mm-hmm. Well, at this point, like the only time that you've ever been able to find anything is in dungeons. Yeah. Uh, typically there's two kinds of chests that you can find. It's, a, either a small or a big chest, and your big chests are the ones that have the option to find, uh, new weapons in. Though it's a very low chance. Most of the time it's just resources. The next person that you come across is the genie. Uh, you release her from her lamp in the shipwreck. Ruby, she joins your party, helps you take out the ghost that is haunting the shipwreck, uh, and then inadvertently, uh, like, you find about, like, this big, like, love story, sob story, about how uh, the, like, local beauty had fallen in love with this man, but he had seemingly left her behind in a search for something known as the, uh, let's see, I just want to make sure I get my stuff right. I
0: bet it will be unpronounceable.
1: The Life Orb.
0: Okay, that's a lot easier than I thought.
1: Yes. I just wanted to make sure I didn't, like, call it something like the Life Cube or something. (laughs) The
0: Tesseract.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He had found the Life Orb to uh, be immortal with him and his love. However, the way the orb gives you immortality is by taking away what you hold most dear. So it knocked him out to where he wasn't able to attend his own wedding. And because she was left at the altar, she was so distraught that she threw herself off a cliff into the sea and killed herself. Oh, man. But he gained his immortality. So he had stayed in the shipwreck that she haunted forever. Oh. Because she was there, but he couldn't die.
0: But she was dead and still there.
1: And it just so happened that the uh, moon orb was there as well. Which, after everything resolved, she collected and you go to try to find the moonship. However, uh, that doesn't work. So you go to your next destination, which is in uh, Mus- uh, Muskalaka, which is in the desert. And that's when you come across uh, your uh, new friend slash ally, Ungaga. Uh,
0: um My favorite one so far.
1: <laughs> the next boss you face is the King's Curse. And after defeating this boss, it opens up the path to the moonship that you then utilize to go to the moon. And at this point... Uh, you meet Osmond, who uh, wants you to help him build a giant mech that he has called the Sun Giant, which apparently the Moon People like no longer utilize any magical ability like they used to, so it's just purely technology. And so they've uh, devised a giant mech, essentially, that they feel like will work in regards to making sure that the Dark Genie is taken down. However, that does not work. Okay. And uh, you have to find another idea of what to do. But at this point, though, you uh, head to. Uh, you use the sun giant to head to uh, the castle where the dark genie is now because he's, like, you know, spread his darkness so far. He's like, you know, like, I'm going to take over everything. Ha ha ha. <laughs> uh, you confront the genie, basically kick his ass, and that's when you find out. Spoilers. That the genie that you've been fighting is actually no more than a rat that had been possessed by some of the true essence of the genie whenever it left the pot. The true genie had actually possessed Colonel Flag all along.
0: That whole time.
1: Yes. So and that's when uh, you find out uh, that you know Flag's the one that's the genie's possessed. But at that point, in true horror fashion uh flag's body isn't able to withstand the power and just kind of like collapses and dies ah. and at that point uh the genie without a host tries to like turns into like this little dark cloud and starts like floating around trying to figure out you know like a new host and then at that point enter Seda. and that's when he explains to the party that it's his fault that the genie was created in the first place and that he reveals that uh 400 years ago that he accepted a tremendous dark power into his body in order to gain the power to defeat an invading army. And, unfortunately, that led to the genie's birth. And, uh, the meaning for that, uh, you find out, uh, in the next bit, because uh, the genie, uh, tries to possess him. Though, he stabs himself through the heart, so that way he'll die, so the genie can't. Uh, but before he does die, he opens up a portal into the Gallery of Time, which is what he's been utilizing to hop back and forth.
0: I'm following, but barely. Okay. And it ain't your fault. It's-
1: and, uh, well, he specifically opens up the portal to uh, the time when the genie was very first created. Yeah. So that way they can hopefully, like, defeat the genie and try to keep everything bad that's happened from happening.
0: It's like going back in time and killing a dictator.
1: But now, like, he's, he dies, like, at that moment. But uh, you kind of get, like, a, as you move through the gallery of time, uh, you get to see, like, different memories of his, and at that point, that's when, like, all the plot holes are kind of, like, filled in for you, and everything starts to make sense. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, with this game, it has, like, a lot of build-up to where, like, yay, this is what you're, like, you've made it in time, and then all of a sudden it's like, eh, sorry, like, no, you didn't do it. <sighs> and uh, you're unable to stop the creation of the Dark Genie. Because of what actually spurs the creation of the genie is when uh, Seda, while possessed by the dark power, uh, sees his fiance get assassinated uh, because uh, they try to kill him, but she gets in the way and protects him. And his rage and hate from all that gives birth to the genie. Unfortunately, you're unable to keep that from happening, so the genie, hap- you know, comes out anyway. And you're able to fight the genie at this point, but he's at full power. If you, once you are able to defeat him, you're uh, able to uh, utilize the remainder of what's known as the uh Milla, which is an item that was given to you by the Fairy King at the start of the game, mm-hmm. which you come to find out right then from the Fairy King that apparently it has the ability to bring one person back to life, but at the cost of spending all of its energy and being useless afterward. At this point, having defeated the genie and everything, you use it and you bring his fiance back to life. And by doing that, all of a sudden you get like sucked back to your own time, where uh, the fairy king tells you that the genie has been defeated for now. For now. And then that's kind of like where the game ends.
0: I seen there was a second one while well, I was looking it up.
1: There is a quote unquote second game. Uh, called Dark Chronicle or Dark Cloud 2. I have not played it, but I've heard mixed things about it. Because there's uh, similar concepts, but they've added some other things that I've heard that kind of are just tedious.
0: Oh, tedious. I was going to say, even more out there than space people in my fantasy game. But tedious is worse than that. I can handle the oddball character showing up. I don't like quality of life problems.
1: Playing the game, though, like it really just kind of like widened my worldview a little bit on kind of like the mentality of like trying to be a little bit more helpful and vocal to people that I didn't necessarily like know personally, like my family. Because I remember around that time, like it kind of gave me the impression that I needed to be a little bit more, not so much, I guess, like friendlier, but just like more willing to talk. Because I was very silent as a child. And this game kind of helped me to open up a little bit I think it's like a good, like, simple enough game to where it's just enjoyable for about anybody that wants to play. Okay. But uh, it still offers enough challenge to where it's just not an easy game, I, if that it, makes it, sense. I
0: understand. It's your version of, I guess, Halo, the, what got me into making new friends and stuff after I'd moved away. And I remember you used to be a fairly quiet person. I mean, even now you're considered quiet amongst the rest of us.
1: True, it's just that before I just refused to talk, now I just don't have much to say.
0: Okay, that's better. We have no complaints, let's put it that way. Mm. I've never complained because somebody chose not to talk to me as much. It sounds like a good game. It sounds very JRPG.
1: I mean, yes, technically.
0: I I say that like it's a slight, it isn't. It's just not my kind of game. I just...
1: Oh, I (laughs) understand. Like, uh, it was released in Japan, actually, in 2000, and then released the next year in North America. Okay. So, yes, very much JRPG, considering it's produced by Sony.
0: They are more so than even Nintendo.
1: I don't know any of them personally, so...
0: I meant the JRPGs, just they, ah. they make more. <laughs>
1: yes. But, I mean, it's definitely a game that I recommend for anybody to play if you're interested. Uh, though, just do expect there to be, like, a little bit of, like, tedious grinding and occasional headache here and there. But it's just the normal, like, PS2 era bs that you might be used to if you played a lot of games from back then and fortunately too there's not really any bugs or glitches in the game like it's a pretty well put together made game fairly interesting story I think not too hard to follow a little confusing at first but it does eventually kind of wrap everything together to where you understand everything at the end and most of the characters are not really that bad you know like for stuff back in the day
0: When you were talking about bugs, do you think with the upgraded graphics we get in newer games, Mm -hmm. it has just become hard to control the bugs? They show up in things now. The more complicated the game was back then, they just looked a little bit worse, but they managed it, and it was pretty polished for the most part. Mm-hmm. At least the ones that are still popular today for people to replay or something. Nowadays, you get a AAA game. Beautiful to look at. It's just full of problems that they have to fix constantly.
1: To me, my personal opinion on that is just it's just a matter of like what you consider is important. Is it the gameplay or is it the graphics of the gameplay? And don't get me wrong, like I think both are important. But if you focus a little bit too much on one versus the other, you're always going to run into problems.
0: Yes. Bethesda games are known for their glitches. You get that massive world and all that story. Whenever it comes out, they usually look up there for the best of them, you know. They do their best. We'll see how Starfield turns out. Oblivion, when it came out, had its problems. It looked good for its day, and it had its issues. I remember having, like, this guy roll down a hill at me after I killed him, and it scared me to death because his body stretched like spaghetti Mm. and just covered the whole hillside.
1: Yeah, I can understand that, having a little bit of a traumatic experience.
0: I screeched. (laughs) Mama came running through there, what's wrong? It must have been late. I was tired. So you have games like that to fall back on that you played.
1: I guess, how old did you say you were when you might have played it? Somewhere between the, I guess it had to be like the 9 to 12 range, somewhere in there.
0: Okay, so when I was playing games, 9 to 12, I wasn't playing as many besides Pokemon, so I guess I can't say much about that. You were certainly more advanced than me. I couldn't have followed a JRPG back then
1: at all. Like, I I was never really, like, a huge, specifically, like, JRPG person. Play them just because they were JRPG. Because I guess mainly, like, back then, I didn't, like, really understand the concept of what a JRPG was. I was just like, it's a video game.
0: I don't even know if the concept was out then. They were just RPGs, no matter where they were from and how they played. I'd like to find out when that term came along. What matters is that you had fun. And it made you have a different outlook on things.
1: And good soundtrack, man.
0: I'll have to look into it.
1: And I looked it up too, and like, and if you're like someone that like maybe wants to purchase a game, give it a try. Like if you got a PS2 that works. It's a fairly cheap game. I think you can get anywhere from like twenty to thirty dollars, depending on where you get it from. Maybe even cheaper.
0: If it's on Amazon, I'll add the affiliate link we got into the uh, description of this episode. Okay. So you can find it down there. So, you recommend the game, right?
1: Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like, I'm not saying that you ever, like, you got 100% every little thing to do, but, like, I think it's a fun game. Uh, you don't have to pour hundreds of hours into it or anything like that, but you can play it for a minute, have a good time, and then you can put it down. I remember it fondly, and definitely recommend others, others to give it a try. At least, you know, see what you think.
0: Yeah, it never hurts to try something, especially if it's not extremely expensive.
1: And again, like, I think it's good for all ages. And, you know, just have some fun.
0: Yeah, which is the point.
1: And it was like one of the first games to do that unique blend of, like, RPG, combat... Weapon upgrading and city building.
0: Yeah, I was stunned when you mentioned that. If you like what you've been listening to, we have a couple of other podcasts we do. One's called Horrific History and Hauntings. It's a podcast about exactly what's in the title, Horrific History and Hauntings. My sister does it. Also, we have Brother Knows Quest. It's a podcast about me telling my sister, Beth, about tabletop role-playing games. Try to go to a different one every week. So if you like that, I'll leave a link to those in the description, and you can subscribe there. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe there, because we've started uploading our stuff to YouTube.
1: Yeah, we're trying to move a little up in the world if possible.
0: Right now, it's just basically a static image with audio, but we're going to add actual video to that eventually. So, if you use YouTube music, you can listen to your podcast there or just play in the background while you do something.
1: Trying to make it easier for our listeners to have access to.
0: Yep, we have Twitters and everything. If you look in the links, you'll find all that.
1: Yeah, all our social medias be linked down below for you guys, so feel free to leave us comments concerns or questions or if you have anything that you want to throw out there for us to maybe cover or do one day uh feel free to give us a heads up you know we'd like to hear from you
0: leave us a review on a podcast app if you got one that lets you review things that'd Mm -hmm. be nice
1: really enjoy you guys being able to sit down and listen to us and hopefully you've been having a good time doing it so far and look forward to having you come back and listen to us some more
0: yeah well i've been Raymond.
1: and this has been dakota
0: you've been listening to leveling duo logging off
1: logging off